Gracious Holy Lord, thank you for your loving presence that carries us through each day, that nourishes us and nurtures us, uh, that convicts us, uh, Lord, that uh, holds us. Thank you for this day of worship that we have to gather. Thank you for those online who join us from their homes or listen later on, Lord, during the week that uh, wherever uh, we are, you are. And Lord, recognizing that you were even here before we got here. So thank you for your presence and for your grace uh, that sustains us. Lord, I lift these words to you to be shared, that they not be my words, but yours. So set me aside, Lord, open our hearts, open our spirits, open our minds uh, to hear you today. In your name we pray. Amen. Have you ever been sitting in an airplane, you look around, you see all the people, and you begin to wonder, how in the world does this airplane get up in the air and stay up in the air? I know it's about airspeed, it's about wing design, and it's about pressure. That's the air over a wing is faster than the air under a wing, which creates lower pressure on top of the wing, which causes the wing or the airplane to rise. I know that. I looked it up just to be sure that that was, was right. But when you're sitting on the runway and you see a plane full of people and you're fixing to take off, you sure hope that which you know to be true works. Did you know it's the same with a sailboat? The mast and the sail is kind of like a flexible wing and the air pressure on one side is less than the other and it causes the boat to propel its way forward. I enjoy flying. I love to sail and have not done that much, but I sure would want someone else who knows what's going on to be in charge when taking such a trip. Who's the pilot of your plane? Who's the captain of your ship? On Thursday morning, we've been going through the book of Hebrews Enjoy going through that, and for some reason, I, after reading through Hebrews, I looked at the next book. Anybody know what the book after Hebrews is? James. It's James, and James is a phenomenal book, a tough book, as we've already said, a hard book, a convicting book. It's much more than just pleasant words that lift you up and affirm you, but they convict you, and they challenge you. As you read through James, though, there's some fun nautical terms that are played throughout James. For example, chapter 1, verse 6, one who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Chapter 3, verse 4, talks about ships driven by large winds, but guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. James, in other words, speaks to us about practicing what you preach, practicing what you say. It talks about what we know to be true, the Word of God. But how is that truth carried out in your life? How does that truth work in and through your life? For we can't stay on the runway, and we can't stay in the harbor for the rest of our life. In each chapter, James identifies some of the pressures Christians face in living out their faith. And he talks about how these uh, pressures propel us in one direction or the other. 
And in today's times, it seems that we're so often propelled in a place in which the world takes us and less and less where God is our captain. James puts feet to our faith by identifying the common values and convictions of living in a Christian community. But he doesn't speak to us as one in authority down to those below. He speaks more to us as a brother to a brother, a sister to a sister, a friend to a friend. So let me help set the context as we enter this journey of James together. Join me in our, in our, our scripture, the first part of it, just a few verses. The first chapter of James, verses 5 through 8. Online, I hope you'll join us too in the Bibles you have with you. For those who are here, your devices or Bibles, please join. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given you. But ask in faith, never doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For the doubter, being double-minded and unstable in every way, must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. James gives us a clear picture here of how God wants us to live by being consistent, but by also benefiting others. It really boils down to this. For our faith to be real, it has to be translated into deeds. For our faith to be real, it has to be translated into deeds. Let us stop deceiving ourselves. So as I said earlier, we're going to be looking through James one chapter a week, selected verses from each chapter, beginning today with, setting, with raising our sails, catching our wind next week, staying on course the third week, steering clear of seduction the fourth week, and traveling together in our final week. Today, though, I want us to focus on raising ourselves, coming from chapter 1, verses 16 through 27. So once again, let us turn to God's Word. James chapter 1, beginning at verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved. Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would become a kind of first fruit of his creatures. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness. And welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in the mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they look like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, 
being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained in the world. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. John Ortenberg, a great Christian author, talks about a man who was in one of his churches. He was a cranky guy. He hardly ever smiled and always seemed to be one that could throw a cloud upon a picture when everybody else was seeing a silver lining. This man had attended church his whole life. And one day, one of the deacons approached this man and asked him if he was happy. And Hank contemplated that question. And then he answered yes. And the deacon responded, well, tell your face. (laughs) Ortenberg replies that the man never told his face as long as he was there. What a sad commentary to one man's life. But what would others say? What would others say about you by merely just looking at your The good news of Jesus is more than something that we can keep tightly tucked away inside that warms our heart, but must be lived and shown on the outside. God initiated and challenges us to replicate this action. James calls us the first fruits of his creatures in verse 18. And he begins to refer to two specific actions character of speech and character of actions. In speech, we're called to watch our unbridled tongue. We're encouraged to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. How often do we act before we listen? Confession time? Anybody? When we're quick to speak, we're usually quick to anger. Why? Because we've already determined what's going to happen and what the outcome is and are bringing judgment down. But when we're quick to listen, sometimes, many times, it slows down the judgment and the anger and often prevents it from happening at all. James also refers to character of actions. Listening is important but we're called to be doers of the word. When you come to church on Sunday morning, for some Thursday morning, for some Sunday night, for others Wednesday night, for some Monday afternoon or another time in the week, what happens to the word that you hear? What do you do with it? Listening is only half the picture, but a picture is not complete unless you can see The whole thing. What do you do with what you hear? Does it go out the car window as you drive away from the church? Or does it even make it into the car? Your home? Your school? Your work? Hearing God's word is important, but taking it to heart to see where you can make a difference to improve 
not just your way of life, but others, gets to the heart of the message. Remember the scripture tells us, if what you hear merely fades away, then it's like looking into a mirror and forgetting what you look like. When's the last time you looked into the mirror? What is seen in a mirror must be viewed again and again because the impression is gone once you look away. But a doer of the word puts into place what they hear. They remember it. They live it out and don't have to keep looking back. What word, like to even say capital W, what word have you heard lately that you need to be doing? What word have you heard that you need to be doing? We're called to live out what we believe. We're not only supposed to be doers of the word at church, for that's easy. But at home, in front of our family, at work, in front of our co-workers, at school, in front of our classmates. I find it sad when People say, I just don't know if there are any other believers at work or I don't know if there are any other Christians at home or where I hang out. How about you? Do people at your work, do people at your school know you are a believer, know about your Christian walk, know that you're a person of faith who believes in Jesus? If not... Maybe tell your hands, tell your feet, and tell your face. People should know that we are doers of the word, not only by our speech and our action, but by our love. And James reminds us in verse 25 that we will be blessed in what we do if we seek to honor God in all of it. The rewards, they're not necessarily material. Usually they're not, but it's that satisfaction. It's that fulfillment in the doing. A while back, I received one of those forwarded emails of a good story to read. Right? What do you do with those? Do you read them or delete them? Usually I just delete them. Don't even read them. Don't even want to get into it because I don't want to keep it. And for some reason, I read this one. And for some reason, I kept this one. So you get to hear it this morning. <laughs> It was about a group of salesmen who went to a regional sales conference in Chicago. When they left, they promised their spouses they would be back by Friday night for dinner. So it's Friday afternoon, the conference is over, they're running through the airport, have their briefcases in one hand, their tickets in another, and accidentally knock over this turnstile and fruit stand on their way. But they keep going because their plane's about to leave, they get to their gate, they're walking on the plane, all of them are except one. He stops. He pauses, he takes a deep breath and experiences this twinge of compassion in his heart over the girl whose apple displayed that they had overturned. So he turned to his buddies and said, go on with them, I'll catch up with you later. If you see my wife, tell her I'm on the way. And then he returned to the terminal where all the apples had scattered over that terminal floor. And he was glad that he did. For when he was there, he learned she was 16 years old. And she was totally blind. She was crying with tears running down her, her face. You could see the frustration. At the same time, she was desperately grasping 
for the apples that had been spilled all over the floor. But no one had stopped. No one was there to offer her care for her plight. And so the salesman knelt down at the, on the floor and began to help her gather the apples, set them back up, and organize her display. And as he did this, he noticed that many of them were battered and bruised. So he went to his wallet and he pulled out $40 and he says, I hope this will help and I'm sorry about the accident earlier. And then he said, are you okay? And she nodded her head. And he turned to leave and as he was walking away, he heard the girl say, Be, say mister. And so he turned and looked into her blind eyes. And the girl seemed to be looking straight at him and said, Mr., are you Jesus? And the man said that question burned in his soul for weeks to come. Has anybody ever mistaken you as Jesus? Has anybody ever mistaken you for Jesus? That's a question that will burn in our soul for weeks to come. God's Word, the scriptures that we hear, that we seek to learn, that perhaps you read at home, perhaps we hear when we're gathered today at church, the, the Psalms, the, the story of Jonah, the book of James, is still applicable today. So is what was true then when it was written still true now? Yes. What direction are the pressures of life taking you? Is that which we know to be true working in your life? How will we respond to what we've read and heard? Or will we even stop to read it at all? I think that's what scares me. Probably scares me more is we seem to have lost the conviction. We've lost the desire to sit at the feet of Jesus. We've become too busy and too distracted. God is not just another pursuit. We have to stop and realize that God is pursuing us. Will we raise ourselves and navigate in the direction that God is leading us? Or will we just go where the wind blows? James is clear that God's the one who defines reality. We're to know his reality through his word and seek to live it out. The last two verses of James 1 help us do that once again. I invite you to turn to them. In, in them, John, James excuse me, begins to compare and contrast worthless and worthy religion. Verse 26, he talks about being measured by the world. Those who think they're religious but fail to control their tongue and deceive their heart by indulging in the passions of the world. And verse 27 is more about measured by God of pure and undefiled religion. Not perfect, but a standard. 
a standard of truth that is offered to us to resist the measures of the world and to keep ourselves unstained. And so doing by caring for others as God has cared for us. In other words, for our faith to be real, it has to be translated into deeds. So let us stop deceiving ourselves and trust the truth that seeks to work itself in and out of our life. <coughs> to do so, we can't stay still, but we must raise our sails. That's the pressures of the world will not be the high pressure, but it will be the wind of God that directs us forward faithfully. What will you do this week to live out your faith? The name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for your care and your direction that we so desperately need in our lives and in our communities. Help us, Lord, to take time to sit at your feet, to hear your voice, to listen to your word. Lord, that who we are and who we are called to be may be faithful disciples of you. In your name we pray. Amen.